pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, our one podcast. This might be college football heaven. Number two has arrived and more guests will be dropping by here in just a few minutes. Kevo is up next. Uh, hey, Kevo, good afternoon. Happy New Year, Paul. Happy New Year. I hope yours is going better than mine. But uh, that's another story. But hey, uh, John Mark Stallings. I used to work with him back in the day at Camp Alaska and also the Tuscaloosa Parks and Rec. Right. And uh, I work with a lot of people with, with Down syndrome. And he's absolutely a true gentleman. He's one of the sweetest people I ever met in my life. I used to drive a uh, bus with a Parks and Rec around Tuscaloosa. And uh, I was on the bus driving with probably 50 people with mental challenges. It was, and it was kind of stressful. And I, I'd also often get kind of uh, stressed out myself. But John Mark would sit behind me and go, be nice, Kevin. Be nice. And uh, you're talking about a story about calling Coach Stallings. I thought that was a I – mean, he, he forgot to tell Coach Stallings the, about the call. That was just brought back some memories of him. And uh, I think John Mark is the reason that Coach Stallings retired – Somewhat early. Do you think so, or you have a part in it? Hey, Kevo, I, I think there was a combination of things. Uh, in truth, I think Gene, Coach Gene Stallings wanted to keep going. Uh, he had a conflict with the AD at the time, which put him uh, in the 99.9% range that everybody that knew Bob Bockrath had a conflict with him. It was too bad he left when he did. Uh, he, he, he had a couple more good years left. Speaking of good years left, Jerry Tipton joins us now. Somebody I have known a long time. He is... Uh, really legendary uh, in the Commonwealth for his coverage of the University of Kentucky, a career that really uh, has gone almost 50 years uh, covering UK, and uh, he has written a reflection on that, Deja Blue, uh, a sports writer reflects on 41 years of Kentucky basketball. Jerry, first of all, uh, good to connect with you again. Uh, there you are. Uh, uh, alone in the gym, so to speak. Uh, how are you, and uh, what in the world's going on with you now that you have uh, exited stage right? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I'm doing well. I, uh, you know, I felt like I had a good long run, and I felt lucky to be covering a program like Kentucky uh, basketball. I think any reporter wants to cover something that the readers or the listeners or the viewers are really interested in. And uh, that was never in doubt. <laughs> uh, there, you know, it's a constant thing, 365 days a year. So, you know, I just felt, you know, lucky to be doing it and tried my best to do a good job. And I had an aunt tell me one time, never retire. Uh, her husband, my uncle, it didn't go well. And so I was, a, yeah, he missed his friends at work. And so I, I was had some uneasiness, but it was time, and I've stayed busy, and of course, writing the memoir uh, gave me a, a big assignment to do and, and kept me busy, too. I don't think I've ever told this story, but I, I left a newspaper job after many, many years because I was in, the, in radio and doing other things, and uh, another paper called me three days later, and I took the job on the spot, Jerry, so I understand it. I mean, that was a long time ago, but there's something about uh, what we both, uh, I didn't do it that long, you did. Uh, but it, yeah, I was just thinking, uh, as I was reflecting on your, your memoir, three national championships, uh, nine Final Fours, six head coaches, 
you saw you saw it all and uh, you know, lately Kentucky basketball has been a little bit different but as you started to reflect and I, I know I, I can only imagine how the, how the memories start rushing uh, through your mind uh, you know how did you sort it out uh, and, and, and and what stood out well it's funny because when I was working uh, and and just in life, I don't like to stand out, <laughs> to be honest with you. I like to just blend in and, and do my job. So I didn't think much about, boy, I've been doing this for decades. I would just think about the last one or two stories and then the next one or two stories that I'd want to do. And so this, of course, brought me out of that. And I mean, it, it sounded kind of silly to me, but in a memoir, I was reluctant to include myself, <laughs> which doesn't make sense. So I had to kind of convince myself to, you know, we have to make an exception here. And so uh, I did. But I also talked to over 40 people uh, just to get their thoughts and reflections and memories. So I tried to give it something of a historical uh, touch in addition to just instead of me, me, me. Jerry, so you, you made a good decision because so you would not fit in today with uh, not thinking me first. That's really the way, it's, the way it, it works in the media. You know that, don't you? Well, yeah, I know things. Uh, I guess that's the way of the world. Things change. And, uh, but, you know, what stands out, I think about where there was just so many memories and there was a lot of anxiety trying to put this together because... Uh, one, as you know, writing a news, newspaper story is one thing, but a book is an entirely different thing. And, you know, I had a lot of anxiety about, can I do this? I've never done anything like this before. And then once I convinced myself, well, 41 seasons, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of potential, a lot of, a lot of potential material there. And uh, then I uh, had to convince myself, well, okay, how to do it? And that, that was anxiety, too. And so there is a chronological feel to it, but I tried to expand it beyond that. But anyway, I mean, I've always told people that I felt, I felt lucky that every once in a while you, you felt like covering Kentucky basketball. You felt like you were witnessing history. <laughs> and so you had a, a chance to try to, you know, kind of that cliche about the media is like the first draft of history. Well, that, I thought it, it, was, it was true. At times. And so I tried to capture that. And uh, my latest anxiety is a thought will cross my mind. Boy, did I include this? I remember when such and such. Did I? And so anyway, I'm trying not to dwell on that sort of thing. And Jerry, I want to go back to, you know, most of your career while the while, while what you did uh, in the newspaper business was, was not only relevant, but there are very few fan bases where you have an audience like you did in Lexington that was going to hang on every word of what you wrote about the most important thing in their life, which was Kentucky basketball. So take us back to some of those early days. Uh, and, and if you've never been, a, and I realize most of you haven't, uh, there, there's quite a rush uh, covering a, a late Tuesday night, uh, nine o'clock tip or or, or something like, or, now, or an NCAA final game, uh, you know, trying to get it, get it, get it right, but also put a twist to it. Take us through that process. 
Well, you know, I you know I thought of the the readers as copy editors because they, you know, they read it that carefully and were not shy about uh, letting you know if they felt like you uh, made a mistake or had the wrong interpretation or something like that. And uh, my last game was when Kentucky lost to St. Peter's in the 2022 NCAA tournament, first round. So that was sort of historic, in a sense. And uh, the fans were upset that it went to overtime, but at the end of regulation, tie score, Kentucky's got the last possession. And as John Calipari likes to do, he didn't call a timeout. <laughs> he, you know, they just ran. And, you know, I think I, it makes some sense to me just in this – because I think Kentucky would feel like they had better players generally. So let it, don't give the other team a timeout to fashion a defensive surprise or something, you know, some sort of extra preparation. So anyway, it didn't work. They didn't get much of a shot. The game goes into overtime, they lose. So anyway, a, a week later or so, I did a note, and that this sort of reflects the way the fan interest is. Uh, I did a Sunday notes column throughout the year, 12 months a year. And at the start, I wondered, boy, am I going to, you know, in July, am I going to have material to fill up a notebook, uh, you know, a notes column? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I learned, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> you know, there'd be no problem. There, there was almost always more material than I needed. But anyway, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, I did a note saying, and uh, this was kind of veering towards opinion, but I hope I was on safe ground, that they'd been playing basketball for over 100 years. So if there was one way to handle that, call a timeout or don't call a timeout, it would be determined by now. And that, that would be what everyone did. But and I, what prompted this was I, I'm a Celtics fan, and they won a game – where they didn't call timeout a play. I think it was a playoff game and they just sort of improvised and got a layup and won. So anyway, I just said it could go either way. And, you know, well, I got a nasty or not nasty, but I got an, an angry email from someone basically saying I was suggesting that Calipari did not make a mistake in not calling a timeout. Not, that wasn't what I was trying to say. I was just trying to say, you know, either can work or either cannot work, but there's not one way. So that was sort of, you know, I, I like feedback, Paul, and uh, even, you know, negative, positive, whatever. It's good to, you know, to hear thoughts and, you know, in the ever, uh, uh, never ceasing effort to improve. So, uh, you know, I like the feedback and sometimes I chuckle. <laughs> and didn't think maybe I could learn much from that one. But it was fun to, to get the feedback. Talking to Jerry Tipton, uh, the longtime Kentucky writer's book, Deja Blue, uh, his 41 years of covering the catch. Jerry, I want you to try to explain to the rest of us the feeling of very little time on deadline, probably back in the early days when we didn't have the equipment that we do today. And... Right. Here, here comes that desk wanting the copy because they're holding the newspaper for the big story. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, it is a pressurized moment. Try to let 
the audience know what it feels like on the other end? Well, it's, you know, it's completely different. The first thought that came to my mind was back in the old days when Joe B. was coach, if they played an afternoon game on the road, I went on the plane with them. And, uh, you know, I got back. You probably get back late afternoon. And then I'd go to the office. I still had three or four hours before the deadline <laughs> to, to write my story. And so that was nice. I mean, you know, uh, but, you know, as you know, with the Internet and all of that, you know, I, I would write the first half at halftime and then be updating through the second half, hoping for a, you know, you'd know which team was going to win before, you know, I didn't want a last second shot to decide the game. But, uh, you know, sometimes that happens. But then I would go back to, to the story after the interviews to, uh, you know, to, to basically kind of rewrite and include you no know, quotes and all that. And I, I, if, when I read what I had turned in in the rush, I would recoil sometimes because they're, you know, the rush, 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 and there, there wasn't a lot of uh, careful editing going on and uh i'd see misspellings and you know and all of that it was embarrassing to see but what could i do about it 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 was the reality of you know the world we're living in and uh so there you go before you go uh i I hear from a lot of kentucky fans not nearly as many as you do and people still talk about the end of the 20 i guess it was 2015 uh final four game against wisconsin when what we all thought was the perfect season, the perfect game, and went down in flames. Uh, I'm, not, I, I'm sure that uh, the games all run together, but I, I doubt you have forgotten that late night. No. You know, the thing that is sort of forgotten or overlooked is the game before that. They, in the region final, they played Notre Dame. And I believe it was in Cleveland. I may be wrong, but I think that's right. Anyway, Notre Dame really played well. And I led, I don't have the minutes in front of me, but they led most of the game. A close game, a competitive game, but they had the lead and, you know, were comfortable uh, playing Kentucky. Kentucky pulled it out at the end. Notre Dame had a last-second shot that missed. And I, I still remember the look on the Kentucky players' faces of relief and almost disbelief that they had won. And uh, so then we go forward to the Final Four and, and Wisconsin. And the funny thing is, Paul, be, uh, on Selection Sunday, the, the talk was among fans that I heard that, uh, oh, the NCAA is going to try to, you know, mess with Kentucky and thwart Kentucky. So they'll probably put Wisconsin in the <laughs> same region. So then they play in the Final Four, Wisconsin wins, and then I'm hearing some fans saying, how in the world could we lose to Wisconsin? (laughs) (laughs) So they did a 180 on that one. Tell us, uh, again, books are easier to find than they used to be. Is there a way to order this book for those people watching and listening? Well, it's at at acclaimpress.com. That's A-C-C-L-A-I-M press.com. And I believe it's also on Amazon.com. And uh, I'm I'm, going to send you a, I'm not going to do it, but the publisher is going to send you a copy, Paul, so you can check it out. And uh, you want to have me back on? I'll be happy to. Come would, back. By the way, so uh, now that you, you're, you're retired, you're not, you're, you finished this book. I know you'll be out 
letting people know about it. So, so what does a retired sports writer do during the, the heart of the basketball season? Well, I'm watching the games because, uh, you know, I, it's entertainment. I enjoy it. And, uh, and I figure it's going to come up in casual conversation. You know, someone's going to say, boy, uh, those freshmen really look good. And I'll have an idea of what they're talking about. I'll have a sense of it. Uh, but, but I, you know, I'm exercising at the YMCA. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you know, but UK, University of Kentucky, they offers, offer classes to seniors. And uh, there's no tests, no homework. I like that. You just, yeah. And so, yeah, so I've taken classes. Uh, I'll be on my, uh, let's see, fourth semester in the spring this year. And uh, history classes mostly. And it's fun to learn. And uh, anything but sports is my general attitude. <laughs> Would you- I, I've had a good feel of sports. I still enjoy it. But, you know, I have other interests. Well, Jerry, you've, uh, you, you, you're doing things that sound quite inviting, and I, I applaud you because it is a it, people want to get mad at those of those who who write, but it is a very difficult field, and and you are literally at the at the top uh, of anyone who's ever covered a beat, uh, and especially covering a beat as great as the University of Kentucky. We'll talk again as the season rolls on. I hope people will enjoy the book, Jerry. Thanks for making time. It's always great to see you. Well, thanks for having me on, Paul. Take care. Jerry Tipton, Deja Blue, 41 years of covering the University of Kentucky basketball program. One of the great beats in all of sports, and we will be right back. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Appreciate all you uh, being here. And uh, Todd is up next in North Carolina. Hello, Todd. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you. Hey, I have a couple requests, if, if I could. I have, I've tried so hard to get back in here, and I know you're so busy, it's hard to get back in, but uh, December 11th, I called, and I couldn't get back in because the 12th was my son's birthday, and since that day, I've tried to call back in, and uh, and you've really come clean there, so I really can't criticize you anymore because uh, Michigan won it all, and that, that was the only reason I was calling, you know, to see how you felt about it. The night at the game, when you seen it and watched, I like your opinion on that. And how are you going to look at next year for all the, the teams that come in to the playoffs? That's my question. Well, I, I look at it, I think, the same way a lot of people. I thought it was a re- remarkable finish to the year. And one thing about me, uh, Todd, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, one thing I tried to say in some of the conversations I had yesterday morning and leading up is I know what I've said. Uh, I'm not running away from it. I'm also like, not like offering this uh, mea culpa, the hey, I was wrong. I gave, I gave commentary in real time. And it doesn't matter to me. I, I, I told uh, Greenberg yesterday, I was pulling for Michigan. I, I really like, being out in Pasadena and seeing this team up close, I really like them. Uh, and I'm, I'm, Harbaugh is starting to grow on me. Um, and I'm done with the Connor Stallions deal. I don't really care about it anymore. I don't care what the NCAA does. And, and I think it was a remarkable national championship. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Evil is up next in Tennessee. Hey, Evil, good afternoon. 
Hey, Paul. It's a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Thank you. Hey, I just had a, a quick uh, question on uh, Dwayne there. I was talking about they had three, three five stars already uh, lined up. And uh, I think I read some something where in the Michigan, Alabama, that Alabama had 15 five stars and Michigan had five. Do you know if that's correct or not? Um, I think they may have had three. Uh, but, you know, I mean, uh, I realize we live by the golden rule. And the man, man with the gold rules, and so. But uh, I just kind of uh, college football is not like what I what it used to be to me. And and I know what changes, and that's that's part of it. But uh, uh, it just and one other thing about the about the committee, if they if they uh, put like twelve teams up, will it go on their uh, list of of twelve teams, and that's who the twelve would be? Will the committee select? Well, no, the no, it, it, that's not how it's going to be. Uh, you, I believe this is correct, and it's going to change because we don't have five Power Five conferences. But it was set up for the Power Five, the, the top five rated conferences, to uh, get get automatic bids, and then I think there's a group of five entrant, and then the uh, the rest of the field is going to be picked at large. So there's really only uh, six available spots once you get past the champions. Yes, sir. Okay. And it will start. It's going right, to be a sir. little different, though. Uh, the first round will start on a, uh, I think it's a Friday, a Thursday or Friday night, uh, and then there'll be some Saturday games, and then after the first round, which will be at campus sites, it then will go to more traditional bowls. We'll take a short break. I realize we went a little bit long with with Jerry, but uh, he had a lot to say, and we wanted to hear it. We'll be back with much more right after this. Listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Great to have all of you with us. And Tom is up next in South Carolina. Hello, Tom. Hi, Paul. Good afternoon. How are you? We are doing great. Thank you. Good. I I just wanted to be a brief message here. Having uh, Coach Stallings on is a blessing. It, it's, it's great to hear, you know, between uh, Bear Bryant and Nick Saban, Coach Stallings was the best. And I'm, I'm not um, outlining Bill Curry or uh, Mike Shula. They just couldn't beat Auburn. But Mike Shula cleaned the program up from DeBose. And it was a, uh, it was it's something he doesn't. You know, I'm glad you said that because I, I, I thought Shula should have been fired after the first year when he went four and nine or something. But the one thing he did was uh, he fumigated the place, and yeah, yeah, he, he, he made did. it a he made it a classy program again, even though they couldn't win other than one year. No, but the Bows ran it into the ground. You're 100 percent right. Yeah, if he doesn't, you know if. You know, if you don't beat Auburn, or if you're a coach at Auburn, you don't beat Alabama uh, for three or four years, then you, you're pretty much done. But he did clean the program up. Yes, you're and right. And I'm thankful for that. Well, I, I, and, and one thing about Mike Shua, uh, <laughs> he was a genuinely uh, decent human being, and some of the cats that preceded him, 
We're terrible. Judy is up next in Georgia. Hey, Judy. Hi, Paul. I'm a first-time caller, and I am a graduate of the University of Georgia. And I want to say, this is not why I'm calling, but I do want to say that if Georgia wanted to win a national championship, then they should have beat Alabama. So I'm fully on board with people that say it was Georgia that lost that national championship and nobody else is to blame. But the reason I'm calling is because I just listened to your conversation that you had with Jerry Tipton, who wrote 41 years as a sports writer for the University of Kentucky basketball. And I was a teacher at Southwest High School in Macon when Eric Manuel graduated and was offered a scholarship to Kentucky. And then the entire debacle happened where he was accused of cheating on the standardized test that he would need in order to get into the University of Kentucky. And I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on that or if Jerry Tipton might have had any thoughts. I would have loved to have called in while he was on the telephone, but I, I, I didn't know how to do that. So I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, Judy, uh, I remember the case, and, and I think you would understand this better than most, but some of these standardized, te- standardized tests were completely unfair uh, because of a number of reasons. But I, I, I remember it. I don't remember specifically what, it, what ended up happening, but uh, Jerry would have. I, I would have asked him. I'd be, I would have been happy to ask him that. Yeah. Well, Eric lost the scholarship and ended up going to Oklahoma City, right. where they did win a national championship. But the strange thing about that whole situation was Eric went to take the test, the standardized test at Kentucky, and Sean Sutton, the coach's oh, yes. son, okay. was sitting next to right. him. And Sean Sutton was telling Eric he didn't know why he was there to take the test because he had already made the, the score that he needed. Well, Eric didn't think anything of it. And then all of a sudden, Eric gets accused of cheating. Right. And his answers matched with Sean Sutton's answers. And I'm, I'm telling you, I know Eric. Eric would have never cheated on a standardized test. And for him to have been accused of doing something where he had no knowledge, I think answers were changed once the tests were turned in. And so when they said, Eric, you copied off of Sean, Eric was befuddled. What is going on? Why are they saying that? Yeah, no, I do remember now that you have said that. Um, It's been a while, obviously. Uh, It was a, it was a big. There were a couple of things that happened with that. Was that, was that also the case, uh, Judy? Where the, uh, was that the case about the FedEx uh, package that somebody mistakenly got and there was cash in it or something? Or was that another Kentucky case? I can't remember. Now, I don't recall anything okay, yeah. like so, that. So he just couldn't go because of the, because of the entrance test. No, I, 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 there, there are just so many things that were unfair. Uh, and you know, today that wouldn't happen because the, every player would have his own attorney. And, and, and really about 30, or, about 30 years ago, people quit taking uh, the absolute, uh, uh, just the way, the autocratic way that the NCAA was run, they started fighting back, and that's why the NCAA is essentially out of business right now. Okay. All right, because Eric had a brother, Roderick, mm-hmm. who I did teach. He was in right. my trick class, and they graduated the same year because Eric failed the first grade. And when Roderick would sit on the sidelines at Tennessee Tech, where he went on a basketball scholarship, 
the students from the opposing team would sit behind him and holler, S-A-T, 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 as like, are you like your brother? Did you cheat on the S-A-T to get into Tennessee Tech like he did? And I just, I hated it for the entire family that they all went through this. Yeah, I have a question, Judy, because one of my best friends, my best friend actually uh, was kept back in the second grade. I always felt that they the, the 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 people that got kept back for some reason always did very well. I was always wishing I had been kept back. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe I would have done something with my uh, education. Hey, thank you very much for the call. I don't know the answer to that, uh, but I do remember it though. Uh, let's check in with uh, Jeff in Michigan. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Paul. How you doing? First time caller. Thank maybe you. Long time listener. Well, thank you very First much. Time caller. Listen. Yes, sir. You're more than welcome. Let me, I want to commend you. I got a, just a couple, three things, and then I'll get off the phone and let you respond. Number one, got to commend you. You know, although I do agree with a lot of your points, you know, to and I'm a big Michigan fan, but I agree with a lot of your points that Michigan needed to prove things on the field before we could prove things in in the media and give them the credit necessary that that we all felt they deserved. But I want to tell you, your spin on the recognition of, of the strength and speed and talent that was on the field and display this year. Thank you. Pre- appreciate you noticing that and, and love, love the spin and, and, you know, acknowledging publicly, et cetera. That's awesome. Um, number two comment. Do you think, you know, cause I, I look at, you know, I, I lived in SEC country. I'm in Philadelphia, so I'm in big 10 country. I'm driving through that godforsaken place where that school in Ohio is located right now, on my way to Michigan. Um, and I lived in SEC country for a long time. The, I look at how many five stars that the SEC gets, and, and I know there's many reasons I'm not going to get into all that. You know, I'm a, I'm a former football player myself in, in college on a smaller level, but uh, so I understand the process. But you notice Jim – whether they can get the five stars up there because they're in the Midwest, or does he prefer grabbing, you know, more attractive four stars and putting them through the development process? I mean, you can't go wrong when you got a Coach Herbert up there that I think we all must agree that Coach Herbert has added strength and speed to that program. Um, and, and, and like you said, it is evident on the field. Um, do you think he looks for the four stars more often than the five stars? Or is it just, and I hate to acknowledge this, but the SEC just dominates getting the five No, I, I think what, what uh, coaches position. like Harbaugh look for are how does this player fit my system? Uh, I mentioned meeting uh, his quarterback uh, commitment from next year. This guy was a four-star, but he was also uh, on a championship team. And, and I think sometimes that can matter. Uh, you go back and look at the Texas A&M class, look at, look at some of the players that eventually leave the big schools, and you know, five-star matters, but this is one of the first times, I believe, that the national champion really didn't have very many. Uh, it's a fact that the best way to win a national championship is to finish first in recruiting, but there are, out, there are outliers, and I think when you have a, a unique coach, and Harbaugh is unique, you can overcome some of that. Appreciate the call. We head to the break. More to come right after this. Listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.
We are back here on the little old show that couldn't, or can't, actually. Uh, Will is up next in North Carolina. Hello, Will. Hey, Paul. I can't believe you didn't get Dwayne to commit some of that $2 million to his uh, Bayou Bengals uh, uh, collective. Start, he could start his own collective for him. Since I, I don't think he's mentioned the uh, quarterback once since Saturday since he's actually signed with him. But no. Mention all the coaches, but anyway, my question is about Lane Kiffin. Uh, can you still claim it or use the moniker of the uh, Portal King going forward now that you've lost Quinshawn Jenkins? I mean, how's that going to work for him? Yeah, well, Lane doesn't count the ones that leave. He only counts the ones that show up. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> Ohio State's uh, – Racking up, they're trying to. It looks like they're trying a different avenue this year, or whatever. So they got the uh, Kansas State quarterback I've seen, and now Quinshawn. But I was wondering if the term still is going to apply going forward of the transfer team. I didn't think it would. Uh, I'll check with Lang. Hey, thank you very much for the call. Fred is in Memphis. How are you, Fred? Hey there, Paul. How are you? I haven't spoken to you in quite some time. How you been doing? Been doing great, Fred. Great to hear from you. Listen, I just got into the middle of your very, very interesting interview with Jerry Jerry Tipton. Yes. On on Kentucky basketball, and uh, I was just wondering if he could go back as far back as 1953, because that's how far back I go. I don't think he can. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Coach Coach Adolph Rupp spoke at our high school banquet uh, up there in Kentucky, out of from Hopkinsville, Hoptown. You may have heard of Hoptown. I have, sure, and, absolutely. Yeah, he uh, he spoke at our banquet in 1953, so I'll go back that far. And I may I stayed in touch with Coach Rupp after that, and even sent a couple of boys to him, but. Uh, uh, how about Glory Road? Uh, Jerry Tempton, he didn't cut sm- cover anything on Glory Road. You remember the movie? Yeah, but uh, but, yeah, but that was uh, I, I don't think I think Jerry started covering them probably, probably uh, late '70s, early '80s, around the uh, yeah. Joe B, when Joe B was uh, kind of toward the end of his run. Yeah, uh, but that Glory Road movie is, uh, of course, you're from Memphis, and the name Red West and oh, the West sure. Boys. Oh, yeah, Elvis. Is, Elvis's boys. Well, one of his boys, Red West, was the bus driver in the movie Glory Road for West Texas State. Oh, I didn't know that. He, play, he played that role, and so I uh, got Red West. Playing, yeah, playing, playing golf with him, and I just wanted to know how authentic was the movie and he said, well, it was pretty authentic because they flew out uh, uh, Pat Riley and Larry Conn and Louis Dampier to verify some of the things. And so I could go back a little bit on that. And then also, I don't know if people are aware that uh, Kentucky has won eight, eight national championships with five different coaches. And, and that's never covered too much. But uh, a story with Coach Rupp uh in the 66 team, uh, the Kentucky football team had played Ole Miss up in Lexington, and it was oh, uh, Ole Miss was probably ranked in the top five or ten, and uh, it was fourth and 41, and Larry Seipel faked a punt and ran it back for 41 yards. That's amazing. That's down to beat Ole Miss, and so Rupp brings his 66 team down to Oxford. 
And, of course, that's the ones that played the Final Four, you know, the all-black against the all-white team. And, of course, we were leading pretty good at the half. And when Coach Rupp started walking off the floor, you know, how he walked and the students going, hup, 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 hup. Coach Rupp stopped right in his tracks and turned around and said, look, you students better behave yourself or I'll turn our football team loose on you. <laughs> That's so funny. That is he, great. He really, he, he really had a comeback. But Jerry uh, Tempton, you know, how could you re- maybe get it? Did, does he take any calls or letters uh, or well, anything? I mean, we, we could always get him back, sure. Well, I've I've got some pretty interesting stories, you know, in Kentucky basketball because my blood ran blue, and then of course uh, your buddies here in Memphis, uh, Larry uh, 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 George George Lapidi, oh Mike yeah. Fleming, and and Bobby Hall, and I knew some of those guys. I'm from Kentucky, and I moved down here in 1960, and then I had a son who played quarterback. But uh, the Kentucky basketball programs are really, it's really a good uh, good subject for people that want to get some history on really basketball going back that far. And uh, I just uh, found that interview with Jerry Tempton very, very well, interesting. Uh, Fred, so hey, I we're at the end of the hour, but thank you very much. We will talk again soon. Hope to see you in Memphis in my next visit. We are up against the break. Thank you for listening to the best of the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Watch the Paul Feinbaum Show weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on the SEC Network. Plus, you can listen and watch on the ESPN app.